Hello, and welcome to Such Sights to See, a podcast about my journey through cinema. I'm your host, Patrick, and you can follow along with my movie watching on Letterboxd. I am Long Monkey, all one word, and you can check out my weird fiction and other projects on ProLeary.com. Today, I have a special guest. My good friend Florian is here. Hello, Florian. Hey, how you doing? I am great. Florian, I have to thank you because you were the one that got me into Letterboxd when we first met. I didn't I even know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember. I remember the conversation we had, yes. Yeah, and I've been kind of obsessed with it since. So uh, thank you and curse you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it does to you. I'm in the same boat. So uh, we have a cool uh, topic we're going to talk about that Florian has picked for this episode, but we'll get to that in a little bit. First, we're going to talk about some movies that we watched recently. I'm going to jump in with one that I watched on Netflix uh, during my free month of Netflix called Yes, God, Yes by Karen Main from 2019. Have you seen this one, Florian? I have, yeah, just recently. It was on, on sales. I actually bought it digitally, but yes, mm-hmm. I saw it. Yeah, it, it's a story of this like uh, Catholic schoolgirl who gets into this AOL chat that turns sexual and kind of spurs her on to explore her own sexuality, which is in stark contrast to, to the world around her, which is very, very uh, religious and very, very um, uh, cloistered. <laughs> and it's just about her. It's like a coming-of-age story about that dichotomy in her life. And I, I thought it was it was cute. very entertaining. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I do like coming-of-age stories, and that was nice. It, it was, yeah, it was, it was definitely a recommendation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Natalie Dyer, Natalia Dyer was the lead, and she and she was good. I'd like to see more it, yeah. of a, more from uh, the director, but I have not. It was based off a short film, which might be interesting to watch. Okay, okay, yeah, no, it, it was definitely a, a cute watch, a fun watch. Definitely recommend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, continuing my Netflix trend, I then watched Enola Holmes from 2020, directed by Harry Bradbeer. I was not a fan of this one. Did you see Enola Holmes? <laughs> no, that doesn't ring a bell at all. No. Okay, so it's a new one. It's about uh, Sherlock Holmes' younger sister, a oh, uh, fictional character, not in the original books. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown was the mm-hmm. plays Enola, and Henry Cavill plays Sherlock Holmes. And it is a, um, it's kind of aimed at younger, probably younger teens. And it's a story of this young girl who has to solve the mystery of her missing mother. And she's going up against Sherlock Holmes and Scotland Yard and this conspiracy. And, you know, it's pretty rote, pretty by the numbers. Yeah. Uh, it has way too many plots that don't really wrap up successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but Millie Bobby Brown is good. Yeah, you know, from Stranger Things. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, I saw the trailers for that. I, I feel like, is this a Netflix production? You know, it is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, Netflix is. I don't know. You have a free month. I don't know uh, how much you watch, but they have a tendency to just throw everything out and see what sticks. And there's a right. lot of movies that are just like, ah, okay. So I forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was kind of one of those. I don't recommend this one. I actually starting to have a thing against Henry Cavill because okay. I watched all those DC movies and I don't think he, like he, he really looks the part of Superman, but I don't really think he's uh-huh. bringing much to it. And in this one, a Sherlock Holmes is just so dull. That seems so, like a misfire. Yeah. I don't picture him as Sherlock Holmes at all. Yeah. So, you know, maybe uh, in another movie he'll, he'll do something good. Yeah. But right now I haven't seen any. <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, though, so the next one is a more fun movie, uh, also from Netflix, <laughs> also from 2020, called The Old Guard, okay. directed by Gina Prince Bythewood. Um, have you seen this one? Yes, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a story of. Uh, okay, <laughs> I don't want to go too much into details, right. but uh, Charlize Theron plays this uh, sort of like secret op person who turns out is immortal and is doing all these jobs and trying to kind of better mankind. And she's been doing it for like a thousands of years with her own team of immortals, but they are finally outed by somebody and have to deal with the repercussions of that and kind of welcoming, welcoming a new member into their group. And uh, it's a lot of drama, a lot of action. I thought it was just okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really it, it's like it's it's a weird movie because it it I kind of enjoyed it. It it did a lot of things right and enjoyable. It's mm -hmm. not I don't know how it would play in a theater. It's the typical good way of spending an afternoon. I feel yes, agreed. Uh, it is yeah. It's just like an entertaining, forgettable movie. It, yeah, and it it throws up a nice. I'm trying to see if they're making a sequel. I, I don't really know if it's anything official yet, but it lends itself to do a sequel. It's one of those stories that is a typical like. I don't know, like comic book kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was kind of the problem I had with it is I felt yeah. like it was setting up a lot more um, for the next movie than mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. caring about the current movie. Like there's yeah. so many things that was just kind of, it felt like an origin story for yes. characters that I would rather just watch like a story about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, the curse of the first one, if they ever make a second, will probably. Yeah, come. exactly. So yeah, yeah. it was just okay. It, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so why don't we jump into one of the a movie, a movie you watched? Um, oh, sure. So th there's one I, I think we had uh, texted, and um, we can briefly talk about that. I think we both have seen Wonder Woman 1984. Yes, yes, we have. And I think uh, I can speak for both of us. It wasn't as great as I was hoping. <laughs> Agreed, yeah. <laughs> so were you a fan of the first one? I really liked the first one. Yeah, I think it did so much right for for the for the comic for for DC for for the character for 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 everything. It was just really good. I I know some people had were nitpicking, but I think it was a great movie. And then this one was just such a step backwards in every regard. It was odd the choice of putting it in the eighties and then really not using that theme much. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they kind of put that weird montage at the beginning. And yeah, then... and then it kind of drops that, and then the story that the villain. I mean, sure, it's based on the comic book characters, but they just weren't that interesting on film. I feel like, and I don't know. I just it didn't connect with me. I I, I was really disappointed, probably because it was coming off such a strong first outing. But yeah, I don't know. Didn't do much for me. I mean, it's yeah. not bad by any means, but I would have been disappointed if I saw it in a theater. Agreed. Very much agree. Um, and not one. Did you know? There's not not one. Uh, the soundtrack is not one eighties song, really. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, that's true. They really could. They really missed an opportunity there. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good soundtrack. Nope. I don't know what the issue was there. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> uh, is there another movie you'd like to talk um, about? That you've seen? Yeah. So that that's a movie I I had seen on Netflix as being basically like the highest rated movie ever, and and I finally picked up the Criterion Collection for that. I think Ooh. it just actually came out. There was a Come and See. Oh man! Um, and I saw that you, you you have seen it as well, and it, mm -hmm. that was yeah, absolutely deserves all the praise it gets. It's 
it's a, a World War World War Two story, but from a perspective we don't really see from the the, the Eastern uh, Front, mm-hmm. um, and the fight that the Belarusians had to pick up, and it's very anti-war and very sad, and it tells the story of the that one kid that in the beginning is gung ho about joining the fight, and within what how long is the movie? It takes place over a couple of days and really ages. Um, within those couple of days, by by many many years, and there's a lot of yeah, it's it's hard. It's it's a hard. It's a tough watch, but it's absolutely a, a must see. And and I don't know. Yeah, it is definitely yeah. hit. I mean, that kid's face is just so yeah, remarkable. It, it, it's so emotional. See that the makeup, but it it was yeah. He aged within those three days. What well, four days? And and it's just. I mean, the ending is gut wrenching. And and oh and, god, face and. It's, yeah, a very uh, powerful ending. Yes. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but no. uh, yeah, this is definitely one of the movies that everyone should see. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see, it was 1985. It's yep. really uh, the director, Elam Klimov. I don't think he's done anything else that people have been talking about, but this is like, no, I think this movie, he did him pretty much that was it. That was the last movie he made. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. he, is, he passed away now. But uh, yeah, that was, that was the, the last big one. And it's, it's, it's a classic, and yeah, I like that. I mean, the, the scenes that he, he put on there, and the the port. I mean, the characters he introduces. They, he he does these portrait shots of them, where you just see their faces, and there's so much. You can read so much in them, and the pain, and the joy, and you know, characters that come into view. They they have this journey already, and you can see it on their face, and what they go through ages them, and it's just, yeah, especially in in the day and age we live in, I think it's still very relevant and very important. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely, definitely. And just also like a huge production with like the production mm-hmm. value is really good. The, the, it looks like they were really in a war <laughs> when they were making yeah. that movie. Yeah, yeah good, good, good pick. I'd like to see I, the criteria. I, I saw it yeah, like an old... Yeah, it's, it's, I haven't watched all the extras yet, um, but there's new uh, uh, new supplemental material on there, so they must have just brought that out. And I wanted to see it, and it's no, it's not available for streaming anywhere. So I just bought that. It's like I need to see that. And yeah, yeah, I saw it on VHS copy a long time ago. So v, you know, I'm sure that Criterion is a very much needed upgrade. All right. All right, so I'm going to talk about another one that I know you've seen that we were going to talk about after I watched it. So now's our chance. It is also from 2020, also from Netflix. It is David Fincher's Mank. Yes. Okay. See, I already forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> so Mank is a story of uh, screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz, who is credited as one of the co-writers of Citizen Kane, along with Orson Welles. And it's kind of a, a biopic that takes place during the writing of the, that screenplay, where he is uh, waylaid by an injury and stuck in this house and um, hired to write the screenplay in a very short amount of time for hot, hot young director Orson Welles. And there's a lot of flashbacks of uh, his life and what led him to this point. Yeah. I think it's a misfire from Fincher. Uh-huh. I found it quite boring, to be honest. <laughs> I think it was like lovingly rendered. Everything was so... Uh, beautifully done and accurate and just the period looked so real and felt so real, but I couldn't really get into the story at all or the characters. Yeah. 
Yeah, I have to agree on that. It's and it's sad because you know Fincher is, is such a good director that it, for any other director this would have been a great movie, but for him, mm -hmm. I feel like, like you said, I think it was boring in in most for most parts. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I had just watched Citizen Kane right before it, and I feel like that wasn't necessary. It didn't really enrich or or make my experience better of that. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I didn't I didn't hate it, and I can definitely see myself revisiting it, but. It is definitely my least favorite of Fincher's movies. Okay, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I didn't hate it. I could revisit it just because I like the way it looked and the and the mm -hmm. period. Yeah, and I like it. all the the Hollywood references are fun, yep. but I don't think they really do much for the story. No, and no, uh, and yeah, I don't know. It's it's just not. It didn't interest me enough, and it didn't put anything out there for me to to be interested for the two hours it it took. Right, right. I did. I did appreciate that. It kind of put Citizen Kane into more perspective for me because I I knew Citizen Kane was based off of um, a real life person, but mm -hmm. I did not know how how much it was based off of somebody, <laughs> <laughs> which was yeah. cool to see. So that was that was neat. But yeah, overall, not not that great. Yeah, not 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 a big fan. All right, yeah. I got I got two more movies I'd like to talk about before we get to our topic. Okay. Um. One is The Big Short from 2015, directed by Adam McKay. Was it that first watch for you? or No, it's not a first watch. I really, I've seen this movie before, and I really love it, and I wanted to watch it again just because I think it's really entertaining, and it does mm -hmm. a lot with editing. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, for those that don't know, it's a story of the, the uh, banking crisis from uh, the, ha the housing crisis from 2008 where the, all the markets crashed and all these crazy things happened in the economy. And it was all caused by these high-risk mortgages that were given out to people. And it kind of just skewers the banking industry and the, and the decades of abuse that led the world to this point. And it does it in a fun, entertaining way. It takes a really confusing subject and kind of presents it in a way that makes a lot of sense. So I highly recommend this one. That is definitely a good movie, yes. Adam McKay is, um, he does this, this editing style that you reference. It's, that's his style usually. Mm -hmm. How do you compare that to his other movie? And I think, I, what was the name? The Cheney movie. Uh, Vice. Vice, thank you. Yes. Yeah, I have not seen Vice yet. Have you? Okay, okay. Yes, I, I have. I think it was on, it, it might still be on Hulu. Um, hmm. It's not as good, but it's very similar in style, I feel like. But people were tired at that point of that style. Oh, okay. I, I, still, I still like it, but yeah, the the big short is definitely my favorite of this. Yeah, and and you know it's just got su such a good cast and Christian Bale, Steve Carell, mm -hmm. Ryan Gosling, Brad Pitt. It just the the list is long and interesting. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's like just given really fun, intense performances. And it's still holding up. You say? Do you think? Oh yeah, yeah. It's my I think the third time I've seen it. Actually, just I bought it because I'm like I'm gonna watch this one every once in a while. So. <laughs> all right, maybe I need to revisit that. Um, all right, so the last one I want to talk about mm -hmm. is one I literally just watched today, and I know you've seen it. It is <laughs> also from 2020, not from Nef Netflix this time. It's directed by Brandon Cronenberg. It is oh. Possessor. I just watched it the other day. Yes. Cool. <laughs> yeah, so Possessor is the story of this uh, 
sort of a an assassin that is uses technology to go inside people's brains and possess them into committing the murder so that no one else is implicated. They get they go into somebody who's close to the victim they need to assassinate. That person kills the victim and then no one is to blame but the innocent person who did the crime. And <laughs> there's a lot more to it. It's very violent, very moody. Mm-hmm. Some really good performances, especially by the two leads, Andrea Riseborough, who I'm starting to really like, and Christopher Abbott. And yeah, it's very much a, a Cronenberg movie. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's like, you're sure your dad didn't make this one? <laughs> yeah, I feel like he probably was in the background, like, oh, you got to do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, he's, <laughs> like that machine that attaches to her head that looks like a giant yep. bug. I can picture yep. her dad being like, you should make that look like a giant bug. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I really love uh, David Cronenberg. He's one of my favorite directors, top three for sure. Yeah, he has some really, really good movies, like some that I really cherish and have watched multiple times and still like. He's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I did not see Brandon Cronenberg's other movie, Antiviral. Have you seen that? <sighs> Long time ago. I don't remember much about it. Mm-hmm. Probably need to revisit. Yeah, that, that's that's a couple of years old now. Yeah, it is. And uh, I'm going to watch that one because I really like okay. Possessor. I think it's. Yeah. I think it's. Uh, it. I don't want to compare it too much to David Cronenberg, but you know, you kind of have to. It's pretty obvious that he <laughs> took a lot from his father's time. Yeah, yeah. He, he certainly he's getting you know to make his own movies, but but the influence is very, very clear. Yeah, yeah it's very clear. And if you like Cronenberg style, then. You know, mm-hmm. check out Brandon Cronenberg. It's <laughs> possessor. I mean, it's, it's good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Is there any other movies you want to talk about before we get to the main topic? Um, there's one that I watched. Now, it, it's, it's been a month or so, but I think you've seen it too. And I wanted to mm-hmm. know what you thought about it. And that is sure. the A24 release of In Fabric. Because that was a ah. really odd movie. And I just see it on my list. And I'm like, this is another one that's just probably half the people that watch it will be like, this is stupid. But I, <laughs> I was fascinated by it in a weird way. I, I don't think it's a favorite, but it's definitely not a bad movie. Yeah. Why don't you, could you just try to describe what it's about? <laughs> I'm trying to think. It, it's this, this dress, this red dress that, that possesses, that takes over and, 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 it's very hard to describe it because it's yeah, no, no narrative in this other than the red dress that, and it's not even, you, you don't even follow the same character throughout the movie. Halfway through, you switch characters and somebody else's life is being told. And the, it's it's very, I don't want to always say everything is Lynchian, but it kind of feels a little bit like that, where it's just, there's a dream logic and we're switching characters and then there are murders and there is this weird uh, store uh, that, that tries to, to sell products and and it, I I couldn't even <laughs> I know that's why I asked you because right? I'm like yeah, uh, <laughs> it's definitely a hard one to pin down I so, so my, I, I totally agree it because I kind of really liked it in a, in an odd way but I I couldn't even yeah I can't even summarize it <laughs> yeah it's definitely very Lynchian uh, as you say uh, directed by Peter Strickland I'm not familiar with his work he did Barbarian Sound Studio which I know got some some yeah. uh, traction, but I have not seen it. And yeah, it is very dreamlike. That's a good way of putting right? it. Full of dream logic. 
the, yep. the word I was looking for. Yeah, it, it's just, it, it, yeah, it's dreamlike. Yeah, it's, it feels like a, you wake up in the morning and you have this fractured memory of certain events and they don't necessarily all connect, but they somehow connect. <laughs> That's exactly how it feels. <laughs> yeah, it, it totally does. It was fascinating is what you said, and I totally agree. I don't know if I liked it a, a lot, but I was fascinated just by the images yeah. and the weird tone and the weird characters and that, that weird store. You're right. Everything was just weird and interesting. This department store. It's just these images, they stick with you. So yeah, I just wanted to see what, what, what you felt. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. I, I, I can't give uh, very much feedback besides it was weird and fascinating. <laughs> making, me, making me try to recap that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know what? That kind of makes me remember a quick little story. So way back in the day, I was renting, renting these bootleg VHS copies from like a local comic book store thing. And I rented El Topo. Have you seen El Topo? I don't think I have. It rings. It sounds familiar. And I no, I haven't seen it. So it's a Jodorowsky's uh, famous, like weird, surreal Western. And it's an incredible movie. Highly recommend it, but it's really weird. And I had, we, I had to return this movie in one day. So I had to like watch it. <laughs> really late one night. I watched it, I think at midnight and I woke up the next day and I was like, did I watch a movie last night? Because it feels like I had the weirdest dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that, t- it's that type of movie. And that's kind of how in fabric feels. Like if you watch it too late at night, you might not realize you were watching a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I added a topo to my watch list. I'll, I'll check that out. Cause I kind of, I do appreciate those movies, what they do, even though sometimes they're just, you know, who knows? Maybe we're putting too much uh, thought into it, but um, yeah, I, yeah, that I, could be just yeah. weird for weird's sake, but yep. it's, it's sometimes it's good. This, was, this was actually it wants to say something that that you know you, you some movies you can like watch it over and over and you find new things in them, and I feel like that's one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good because if it's just weird, anybody can be just weird, but yeah, kind yeah. of have to be weird with a purpose almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. All right, so you want to jump into our main topic? What we're going to do sure. a little dive in this week. Yeah. Yes, sure. Yeah, you, when you approach me, you you ask me. You know, I can uh, propose a topic that we can watch the movies for and discuss. And I I wrote a few down, and the one that I I that jumped to the top was uh, Mike Flanagan, director Mike Flanagan, simply because I had just finished. Um, I just recently seen uh, Doctor Sleep, and also the Netflix series that he helmed, uh, The Haunting on Hill House, and uh, that's that's... I put together. Oh, what else did he do? And then I realized that every movie, I had pretty much seen all his movies, and they were all good. I didn't feel like there was a dud in any of them. And so I now, you know, because of the podcast, I revisited some, and I still really like his style. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we, we both watched some of his movies. And let me ask, do you still have your Netflix subscription or not? I don't, but I watched, I think, uh, three of his movies on Netflix <laughs> in the past well, two weeks. He seems to be working with Netflix, which is nice, because they, he did the uh, Haunting on Hill House, and that would be uh, um, something we can talk afterwards, because it's not a movie, mm-hmm. but it's it's probably his best work, I want to say. But let's, let's oh, do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, because I, I, I don't really watch TV too much, because I kind of yeah. just want to watch movies, but uh, I, that... Another friend also recommended that series to me because uh, he knew I liked horror movies and thought that yeah. it was very cinematic for whatever reason. 
yeah, it is. It is. Um, it is very cinematic, and it keeps his style. And I think he perfected his style in that series, and he has enough time to really show you that, show you what he's capable of. And as far as series goes, I think it's one of my favorite um, um, series. It's it's a closed ten episode arc. And, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like when there's an ending. <laughs> it's definitely a beginning and an end. And while he did make a second installment, similar to American Horror Story, where he brings some cast members back in different roles, he does tell a different story. And so, yeah, that, that kind of led me to introduce or, or, or propose Mike Flanagan as a, as a topic. Okay, cool. So let's, uh, let's start at the beginning. Did you see any of his, like, his three student films, some of which were featured? <laughs> Yeah, I did not because I couldn't find him streaming anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. Uh, Make Believe, Still Life, and yeah. The Ghosts of Hamilton Street. Um, did not see them. I started with Oculus Chapter 3, The Man with the Plan. Yeah. The short film from 2006 that he made. It feels like he made it to kind of pitch a feature that he eventually mm-hmm. got made. Mm-hmm. But it's the story of um, this haunted mirror. And it picks up right in the middle of the story where this guy has found the haunted mirror. He believes it's haunted and he's going to prove that this mirror is basically uh, uh, taking people inside it and making them disappear. And he has this elaborate uh, methods to get it on camera and prevent himself from being possessed. And the intensity which he goes over those precautions is what really makes the movie work in my opinion mm-hmm. did you watch a short film i i watched it yeah i it, it is thankfully on youtube and um mm-hmm. that's the one i hadn't seen so i watched it the other night and yeah i agree with you it's it's very effective i'm always fascinated when people make a short film that is clearly done with very little budget but it's full of good ideas that just stick and i feel like this is one of them you can watch this it's half an hour long and it's it's absolutely worth a watch. I also yeah, like totally. how he used the same the 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 hook on this on the in the short film to me was the preparation that the guy puts in with mm-hmm. I have these watches and I have my friend call me and I have uh, the mirror is and he uses it in the in the film as well in the in the feature film which is one of the standout parts of the feature film. So that was that was neat that he kept basically kept the whole setup intact. Yeah, it's a solid solid like sequence the um, solid scene yeah you like and that he, too that yeah and he does he does a really good job um like you said with having no budget and using like old school tricks to mm-hmm. deliver some scares and some tension yeah um i didn't like really like the ending of the short but i think the feature fixed that but we can talk about that later <laughs> yeah sure uh but speaking of low budget absentia from 2011 his um First, I guess, real feature yeah. that was done through Kickstarter, apparently. Mm-hmm. And it's a story of uh, this tunnel that is a scene of where, where people have been disappearing inside this tunnel, it turns out, for maybe hundreds of years. And this woman uh, lives nearby, and her husband is missing for many, many years. And it's about time that she declares him legally dead in absentia so that she can get on with her life. And her sister comes over to help deal with that process, but things happen and mysteries are revealed and it turns into a pretty effective uh, horror mystery movie. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, had you seen that before or was it the first time you watched it? This is my first watch. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that long before I knew who Mike Flanagan was, and I mm -hmm. I liked it, and I wanted to revisit it. And so I'm glad I had the chance to, to do that with a purpose. <laughs> yes. I really find this very good. It's probably one of my favorite ones, even though it's his first one. Mm -hmm. Again, it's partly because I think the budget of this was $70,000, which is not a lot of money. I mean, right, enough. friends can get together over two years and get that done. Mm -hmm. and, and it's very, very effective. He doesn't use, I mean, there, there are some special effects, but they're very like far and few between. But the tension he creates and the, the, just the f sense of dread is, is really amazing. And just the yes. simple idea of using this tunnel. And I remember, I, <laughs> maybe that's why I like it so much. We had, where, where I grew up, I had a tunnel very similar to that. And it is, every time I walk by, it's just very scary to look in there. You don't even see the ending. You know, mm -hmm. the other, you know, where you come out. And it's just, he it, it used it to very a great effect. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's that simple, those simple tricks. Uh, I like, there's one sequence where she, there's a couple sequences where she's kind of being haunted by her husband. And the camera tricks are so simple and so effective. And he doesn't really do jump scares. He's really yeah. smart about it. Yeah. And this is a movie where I'm like, you know what? I'm starting to really appreciate him as a director. Because mm -hmm. uh, I've seen some before, but this was the first one where I can see that he's really smart to get this to work right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate for that. I think the the uh, the just the the whole arc and the whole the sense of dread I, I think is, is very strong in this one. That's what I come back to. I really like it because it's it's simple, effective, and you can tell he has an idea and he is able to put that on film. And and yeah. it works beautifully. And what I noticed too, I don't know if you saw that when you go on Letterboxd and you click on the actors, he is reusing a lot of his actors, even in minor roles. They always turn up in every single one of his films and even the shows, which is kind of cute. I know every director has their, what, their one go-to guy, but he has a lot of them. Like, like, yeah. yeah, I noticed that too, uh, especially after watching three, three of them in a row. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I saw that person in the right? last movie. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just a minor role, but you know, like the guy in the short film shows up in um absentia i believe yeah i think so it's mm -hmm. a therapist yep he's the, he yeah. plays the therapist in absentia yep absolutely so that's that's always a neat neat thing yeah definitely so um, um after absentia was oculus mm -hmm. uh 2013 this was the first movie i saw by him in the past so i didn't rewatch this one but um i've seen it twice before already i saw it in the theater when it came out Thought it was a really cool concept that was executed really well. The sequences from the short film are recreated here to great effect. And it wraps up with a really cool ending this time. Yes. So this is just like a solid indie horror movie. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's, it's a Blumhouse, I think, but, but not the typical Blumhouse. Right. It was, it was a little bit above the, above the, the norm. Mm -hmm. He uses this, this, the, these two different, um, stories like the past and the, the the present and mixes them up to the point where you don't know what you're seeing even and sometimes he even introduces this like 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 what, what could have been or what, what like you don't you don't know at some points w what time zone you're watching and and it, it's it's not confusing even though it might i make might make it sound like it but it's very very good at creating like this 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 dream logic Mm -hmm. It all works out at the end, and it's yeah, it's it's very good, and and like you said, it, it does the what he introduced in the short film, he carries it over. I'm glad he wasn't able to make that as a feature. 
Yeah, I agree. I think the the power of the mirror to mess with your mind mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. very scary. And he does he he delivers great tension just with that simple idea of is what you're seeing real or not? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the movie that he made after that is a little more straightforward in plot. It's Hush from 2016, written by him and his wife, and starring his wife, Mm -hmm. Kate Siegel. It's a story of a deaf woman who is stalked by some killer that is wandering around outside her house, intent on killing her. Very bare-bones plot. But this is the movie that I realized he's actually a really good writer when it comes to setting up stories and telling, showing instead of telling. You learn so much about the characters without any dialogue in the first 20 minutes of this movie. It's really impressive. Right, and he uses that to, like, she is deaf, so you, you, he does more with pictures than sound because she can't hear mm-hmm. anything anyway. So, mm-hmm. like, he, he's, yeah. I think he wrote pretty much all of the movies, right? Him and his brother, I think they wrote most of the screenplays. Uh, so probably, he probably, yeah. He's, he's definitely has written a lot. And, and directing. And, yeah. mm-hmm. What I liked about Hush, I think that's another Netflix production, um, is the music that stuck out to me. And he uses the same composers for a lot of them. Again, mm. he keeps it all in the family. But I like it <laughs> a lot. That's what I, I haven't seen that recently, but I remember it. I like the concept and I like the music a lot. Yeah, it was a solid movie. It built up to a nice sort of climax, but then it kind of went on too long after that. I think the character is a writer, and then she talks about how she has trouble writing endings. And the movie (laughs) kind of plays with that idea towards the end of the movie, which was really cool. Mm. But then after that, I think it just went on a little too long. But, you know, it's still a solid movie. I really enjoyed – I don't really enjoy – slasher like straight up slashers if mm-hmm. there's something interesting about them mm-hmm. and this has all the tropes of a straight up slasher but it does a lot more interesting things yeah i agree mm-hmm. uh so the last movie i watched this uh week for mike flanagan although i have seen others after this is before i wake from 2016 yeah have you seen this one i have a while ago that's another one that came straight to Netflix, I believe. That's yeah, and it's... Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's, a, it's a, the story of this orphan child whose dreams come to life. And he's put with a set of foster parents who recently lost a child of their own. And uh, the dreams, they, they see these dreams manifest, and you can uh, kind of extrapolate that that would show that also his nightmares are going to manifest in real life and then cause trouble. And that's what the movie's about. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have too uh, big of a recollection on this, but I know I liked it. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it does a lot of similar things I was talking about with Hush. Like, you learn about the, the, this couple without dialogue happening. Like, they never actually say that they lost their child. They kind of show it, like, when they're packing up the pictures of the the child, the family pictures with the child in it, they like are packing them up in one scene and they're like, Oh, I see what happened. Mm-hmm. It's like very smart little writerly ways to, to tell, yeah. to learn about the character without actually uh, just I, outright saying it. I need to put the, I, I didn't get a chance to watch it before. This would have been the next movie I would have watched. Oh, I'll, I'll do it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's a solid movie. I mean, I, all these movies I kind of rate as like really solid 
three three and a half star movies. Yep. I don't. I haven't rated anything higher, and definitely haven't rated anything lower. But they're kind of just like they're just really solid. That's <laughs> you know? what I had coming away and coming into this. I was like, there's nothing where I would say this is my favorite ever, with maybe the exception of Doctor Sleep, which I really find to be was was pretty good. One of my favorites mm-hmm. of 2019. When did it come out? 2019. But the other movies of his are all they're all good though. There's no none amongst them that, that is just bad or like eh. Yeah, the yeah. They all seem to have a certain yeah, they all seem to tell a good story and, and are are well worth watching. So uh, that was the last movie I watched for our little dive for this week, but I have seen other Flanagan movies. I saw Gerald's game and I saw the aforementioned Dr. Sleep. Yes. Yeah. I just, uh, Gerald's game again. Again, it's a, it's a Stephen King Mm -hmm. novel. And again, it's not bad. And, and this is, I think where you first start to see him mixing drama and horror. Mm -hmm. So what he does with his haunting on Hill house and haunting on, uh, of Bly Manor, which, they are not straightforward horror. There's a lot of drama and, and well-made drama. And I feel like Gerald's game, because it does put up some some heavy topics. It, it, is, it deals with a heavy topic, and I think it does it very well. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely not... Uh, it's probably like his least horror uh, mm-hmm. movie up till this point. And uh, it, it's surprisingly uh, true to the book, which mm-hmm. is cool because I'm a big Stephen King fan. So it's nice to kind of see that show up on the screen. Uh, good performances all around. I, uh, it's just another solid movie. I think I rated this one three stars when I saw it. <laughs> wrap up his career with very solid. And it makes yeah. me look, I feel like he's, he's going up. It's getting better. So I'm very interested in see what he, what he does next. And I, I know he is slated to do another Stephen King um, movie. That's who knows this. Yes, Revival. Happen. Yes, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah, um, so I wanted to ask you about Dr. Sleep. Did you see the, the, like the three-hour cut that they released? Yes, yes. Okay, they, I've not seen that. I only saw the original. I, I can't. You know, you know how it is with that. There's like half an hour extra material in there, and I couldn't really tell you which scenes were added because mm-hmm. still it, it all makes sense, and there's nothing that feels bloated. So. I know why you cut something out and don't make it the three-hour movies for theaters, but it, it still felt like a great movie. The one noticeable difference is that they added chapters. I think there are five chapters in it, so they just have okay. the chapter title card coming in, making it more like a book. So oh, that's, that's a nice. Uh, nice touch. Um, yeah, I and think then, of course, a lot of dialogue or character-building scenes that were added. That's good. I that liked what he did with that because I felt like he... It, it's very hard to make... It's, well, mm, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I think that... that it's very hard to make, doc- a, make a sequel to, to a movie that both has such a a great movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, oh, sorry, you were cutting out. Yeah, I, I like Dr. Sleep to me is so good because he, he's able to, to not only create a great follow-up to The Shining, but also to the book that Stephen King wrote, keeping like both of those worlds connected. I, I think he did a good job with that. Definitely. I am a fan of the book. I was happy to see it on screen. I think the ending of the movie lost some points for me because it felt mm-hmm. almost like too much of an homage to the original Shining. But yeah. I was happy to see it. I just don't know if it quite worked for me. Okay. 
but it's not not really a big knock. I still really like this movie, and yeah, I think it's his best work to date. Right. So I, I'm I'm very excited to see what's coming um, next. Yeah, this was a. Uh, I was impressed with his filmography. So thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to watch some of these older movies. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be on the Mike Flanagan train next movie comes out. Good, perfect. Yeah, I mean, before we leave that, I wanted to recommend to you, and I don't know if you want to leave that in, um, his his Netflix show, The Haunting on Hill House, and then the second part, The Haunting of Bly Manor, if you ever get a chance to watch that on Netflix. It is, it is ab- absolutely amazing. He does, it's 10 episodes, and sure, you could have maybe cut two of them, but it is very the characters are well done the movie is well done it has a, an amazing atmosphere it's a ghost story um there is one of course they all do that now but he did it well uh, one one 50 minute episode that is all done without cuts so oh, wow <laughs> one of those you know and it's it's wonderfully done the the main ghost or the the yeah that 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 is there is 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 eerie and it's spooky and it's not a lot of jump scares it's just straightforward a haunting it's really, really excellent. So, yeah, I would say it's probably his best work. So if you haven't seen that, check that out. I'm very glad that, uh, um, yeah, that he continues with that and that he works with Netflix on getting that done. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm going to check that one out. Next time I get my free Netflix subscription for a month, I'll yep. do that. <laughs> <laughs> that is it for this episode. Before we let you go, though, it's time for an uncommon film recommendation. So I have one in the spirit of indie horror, uh, a.k.a. Mike Flanagan. I'm going to recommend a movie called Habit by Larry Fessenden from 1996. Habit is a vampire story of this guy who meets a girl in New York City who he thinks might be a vampire. Is she a vampire or is he just going crazy because he has so much going on in his life and he's an alcoholic? It's a really interesting movie and really does a lot with a low budget. It feels almost like a Scorsese film turned like if Scorsese made a horror movie back in the seventies, that's kind of how it feels. So yeah, definitely recommend that one habit by Larry Fessenden. Is he starring in it too? He does. Yes. Uh, I'm sure, you know, Larry Fessenden, you've probably yes. seen him around in every horror movie ever made. <laughs> yep. <laughs> cool. I got to check that out. Thank you. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of him as a director too. So yeah. All right, so that's it for this week's episode. Remember to follow me on Letterboxd as Long Monkey. Florian, is it, do you want people to follow you on Letterboxd as well? Um, catching me off guard. Sure, you can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm on Letterboxd too. I think it's... Um, it's uh, just Florian. I think it is just Florian F, right? Yep. Okay, because I know I added some weird emojis, but I don't think that's uh, part of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you follow me, you, you'll see you'll see Florian's account on there. <laughs> you can also check out my uh, weird fiction at proleary.com. So again, Florian, thank you so much for being on this episode. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, everybody, have a good night and sweet dreams.